Section 15 of the Essays of Samuel Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Essays of Samuel Johnson. Section 15. A virtuous old age always reverenced. Credebant hoc grande nefas et morte piandum si juvenis vetulo non esserexerat atque barbato suicunque puer licet ipse vireret plura domi fraga et maiores gladis acervos juvenal and had not men the hoary had revered and boys paid reverence when a man appeared both must have died though richer skins they wore and saw more heaps of acorns in their store Creech. I have always thought it the business of those who turn their speculations upon the living world to commend the virtues as well as to expose the faults of their contemporaries, and to confute a false as well as to support a just accusation, not only because it is peculiarly the business of a monitor to keep his own reputation untainted, lest those who can once charge him with partiality should indulge themselves afterwards in disbelieving him at pleasure but because he may find real crimes sufficient to give full employment to caution or repentance, without distracting the mind by needless scruples and vain solicitudes. There are certain fixed and stated reproaches that one part of mankind has in all ages thrown upon another, which are regularly transmitted through continued successions, and which he that has once suffered them is certain to use with the same undistinguishing vehemence when he has changed his station and gained the prescriptive right of inflicting on others what he had formerly endured himself to these hereditary imputations of which no man sees the justice till it becomes his interest to see it very little regard is to be shown since it does not appear that they are produced by ratiocination or inquiry but received implicitly or caught by a kind of instantaneous contagion and supported rather by willingness to credit than ability to prove them. It has been always the practice of those who are desirous to believe themselves made venerable by length of time, to censure the newcomers into life, for want of respect to grey hairs and sage experience, for heady confidence in their own understandings, for hasty conclusions upon partial views, for disregard of counsels which their fathers and grandsires are ready to afford them and a rebellious impatience of that subordination to which youth is condemned by nature as necessary to its security from evils into which it would otherwise be precipitated by the rashness of passion and the blindness of ignorance every old man complains of the growing depravity of the world of the petulance and insolence of the rising generation he recounts the decency and regularity of former times and celebrates the discipline and sobriety of the age in which his youth was past a happy age which is now no more to be expected since confusion has broken in upon the world and thrown down all the boundaries of civility and reverence it is not sufficiently considered how much he assumes who dares to claim the privilege of complaining for as every man has in his own opinion a full share of the miseries of life he is inclined to consider all clamorous uneasiness as a proof of impatience rather than of affliction and to ask what merit has this man to show by which he has acquired a right to repine at the distributions of nature 
Or why does he imagine that exemptions should be granted him from the general condition of man? We find ourselves excited rather to captiousness than pity, and instead of being in haste to soothe his complaints by sympathy and tenderness, we inquire whether the pain be proportionate to the lamentation, and whether supposing the affliction real it is not the effect of vice and folly, rather than calamity. The querulousness and indignation which is observed so often to disfigure the last scene of life naturally leads us to inquiries like these, for surely it will be thought at the first view of things that if age be thus contemned and ridiculed, insulted and neglected, the crime must be at least equal on either part. They who have had opportunities of establishing their authority over minds ductile and unresisting, they who have been the protectors of helplessness and the instructors of ignorance, and who yet retain in their own hands the power of wealth and the dignity of command, must defeat their influence by their own misconduct, and make use of all these advantages with very little skill, if they cannot secure to themselves an appearance of respect, and ward off open mockery and declared contempt. The general story of mankind will evince that lawful and settled authority is very seldom resisted when it is well employed. Gross corruption, or evident imbecility, is necessary to the suppression of that reverence with which the majority of mankind look upon their governors, and on those whom they see surrounded by splendor and fortified by power. For though men are drawn by their passions into forgetfulness of invisible rewards and punishments, yet they are easily kept obedient to those who have temporal dominion in their hands, till their veneration is dissipated by such wickedness and folly as can neither be defended nor concealed. It may therefore be very reasonably suspected that the old draw upon themselves the greatest part of those insults which they so much lament, and that age is rarely despised but when it is contemptible. If men imagine that excess of debauchery can be made reverent by time, that knowledge is the consequence of long life, however idly or thoughtlessly employed, that priority of birth will supply the want of steadiness or honesty, can it raise much wonder that their hopes are disappointed, and that they see their posterity rather willing to trust their own eyes in their progress into life than enlist themselves under guides who have lost their way? There are, indeed, many truths which time necessarily and certainly teaches and which might, by those who have learned them from experience, be communicated to their successors at a cheaper rate. But dictates, though liberally enough bestowed, are generally without effect. The teacher gains few proselytes by instruction which his own behavior contradicts, and young men miss the benefit of counsel because they are not very ready to believe that those who fall below them in practice can much excel them in theory. Thus the progress of knowledge is retarded, the world is kept long in the same state, and every new race is to gain the prudence of their predecessors by committing and redressing the same miscarriages. To secure to the old that influence which they are willing to claim, and which might so much contribute to the improvement of the arts of life, it is absolutely necessary that they give themselves up to the duties of declining years, and contentedly resign to youth its levity, its pleasures, its frolics, and its fopperies. It is a hopeless endeavour to unite the contrarieties of spring and winter. It is unjust to claim the privileges of age and retain the playthings of childhood. The young always form magnificent ideas of the wisdom and gravity of men, 
whom they consider as placed at a distance from them in the ranks of existence, and naturally look on those whom they find trifling with long beards, with contempt and indignation, like that which women feel at the effeminacy of men. If daughters will contend with boys in those performances in which boys must always excel them, if they will dress crippled limbs in embroidery, endeavour at gaiety with faltering voices, and darken assemblies of pleasure with the ghastliness of disease, they may well expect those who find their diversions obstructed will hoot them away, and that if they descend to competition with youths, they must bear the insolence of successful rivals. Lucisti satis, edisti satis, atque bibisti, tempus abire tibi est. You've had your share of mirth, of meat, and drink. Tis time to quit the scene. Tis time to think. Elphinston Another vice of age, by which the rising generation may be alienated from it, is severity and censoriousness, that gives no allowance to the failings of early life, that expects artfulness from childhood, and constancy from youth, that is peremptory in every command, and inexorable to every failure. There are many who live merely to hinder happiness, and whose descendants can only tell of long life that it produces suspicion, malignity, peevishness, and persecution. And yet even these tyrants can talk of the ingratitude of the age, curse their heirs for impatience, and wonder that young men cannot take pleasure in their father's company. He that would pass the latter part of his life with honour and decency must, when he is young, consider that he shall one day be old and remember, when he is old, that he has once been young. In youth he must lay up knowledge for his support, when his powers of acting shall forsake him, and in age forbear to animadvert with rigour on faults which experience only can correct. End of section 15